I picked a different passage from Mark 2. I'm not going to talk about the calling of Levi today. And then the last thing is, I love it when, I love the band. They, they do a great job. I like it when it gets quiet and you can just hear God's people singing. And I don't want to get in too much trouble, but Trent pointed out his daughter a couple weeks ago. I heard this one beautiful angelic voice from the third row. Girl can sing. So, three weeks ago, we returned from a mission trip to Mexico. And a couple people said to me, that was the best trip ever. Now, you like that when you lead a trip and, and folks say it was, it was meaningful. And I, I kind of look back at it. It's like, okay, well, I wonder what, what made it that. And, and a couple things that, that I think happen in every mission trip, but this one especially, we talked about our core values here at Community. And then every day we lived them out together. There were 50 people that had one purpose. And, and the whole week we served together, it felt like church in a good way. We looked up to see what God is doing. We leaned in to what Christ had for us. And then we lived it out wherever the Spirit led us. And we got together. We built three houses in three days for three families and we saw families go from cramped in a space that was too small or that the, the door didn't properly close or our, above the door there was a hole. And, you know, it gets cold down there in Mexico where we are in the 30s quite often this time of year. And uh, no insulation. Our, our, our house, there was, it was just a, maybe a 15 by 20 spot. They had two beds set up and one was leaning against the wall because they put it down where they were in the kitchen at night. I don't know, but it was great to do that. It was great to build relationships with a group from Fellowship Reformed in Hudsonville that, that we served alongside of. We got to build into 42 kids who work at the Rivers, or who live at the Rivers of Mercy uh, Children's Home. We let them know someone cares. And one of my favorite parts is on Thursday nights, we take an offering, 50 people from these two churches, we put out three envelopes. We say, okay, this envelope is for the three Casas Por Cristo missionaries. Put money in there if you want to bless them. The envelope in the middle goes to the three families, and we're going to go to Walmart, and we're going to overwhelm some young teller with eight carts full of housewares that we're going to bring into Mexico to give to these people blankets and rugs and pots and pans. And Randy Mepelink and Micah put blinds in our, in our building and the guy had never seen blinds before. So as he was twisting them, like showing it go up and down the man, he was looking at it like, it's a miracle <laughs> that keeps the light out. It was a beautiful thing. And then the third envelope was for Rivers of Mercy. So we tell them about it on Wednesday night. On Thursday, $7,884 comes down onto the table to bless these three people. And, and it's just fun to be a part of blessing people and going out and doing that. We were changed. And we talked about our core values. We were empowered to do the work God had called us to. We were transformed by the Spirit. We lived authentically among one another. We shared our lives with each other. We thought about being less selfish and we walked the journey of Christian faith together. And I believe we saw reproduction, uh, people sharing their faith with one another. 
But all of that means nothing or almost nothing. It means something to those folks that are living in a house. But for us, one of the reasons we go on mission trips is to see people's lives transformed and then hopefully to have them come back and live that out wherever the Spirit leads. And I want to tell you that it's easy for me when I come back to get into my, back into my routine. One of my friends went to Africa, and she said, when I came back, I had to find my Africa here in, in Zealand. And she started hand-to-hand, -hand, or not started hand-to-hand -hand ministries, but, but kicked it off here at Community. And so I want to challenge people who went to Mexico and people everywhere, find your Mexico here. So we hear about Habitat for Humanity, and Stacy says that we partner with them. But frankly, most weeks we come up dry. Most months we're, we're not filling that sheet, and that's a great opportunity. We'll talk about some opportunities later. But we go on those trips so that people come back and, and are transformed. And I had kind of gotten back into the routine. And on Wednesday morning, I have a, a group of guys that I meet with. We've been meeting together for years. Guys come and guys go. You're welcome to join us. 6 a.m. in my office on Wednesday mornings. I hate mornings, uh, getting up that early. But I like get, by the time I get there, I really like being there. And this last Wednesday morning, I just shared, you know what? I've been struggling again. It's been frustrating. And, and one of the guys challenged me. He encouraged me. And we were, we were reminded together what it looks like to live out our faith wherever the Spirit leads us. And so I need a reminder. And then I sent a reminder to the guys that went on the Mexico trip. We need each other. This morning I chose the passage from Mark 4, the story of four guys who carried their friend to Jesus. Let's take a look at this passage in Mark 2. It says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing, him, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. And since they could not get in to Jesus because of the crowd... They made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And he got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. And this amazed everyone. And they praised God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. We've never seen anything like this. Back in Mark 1, it says, they were amazed because Jesus taught as one who had authority. And then we heard a story last week of how he healed a, uh, a, a man with leprosy. And then 
the guy who had leprosy disobeyed Jesus and he told everybody. And so it got crazy in Capernaum. So he had to leave for a while and he went out on a little missionary journey and he, he shared with more people about the kingdom and he healed more people. And so word spread about this man. And when he came home, they said, we need to go see him. Why? What did they learn about him? Well, last week we talked about what they learned was Jesus loves you just the way you are but he won't leave you there. Jesus was about forgiveness and healing. And that's what this story is about. Most likely, uh, a lot of scholars say where it happened was at Peter's house. Peter lived in Capernaum, Peter and Andrew. Mark got this story from him. So this, they're gathered, that's where Jesus found home and people gathered around and they came in. And he was talking to them about the word. It said he was preaching to them, but that word wasn't like standing up in front of them it was just sharing with them about the kingdom, about who he was and what he was about. And they brought someone to him. Men carried a paralytic to him on a mat. And they lowered him through the roof. And I always loved this story as a child. And as I studied the, the, the Greek words, it's, it says they unroofed the roof. I like that. They, they, they unroofed the roof. But really, it, it's not quite as big a deal as it would be for us. They didn't cut through beams or, or peel off, you know, shingles and things like that. They had flat terrace roofs. There were stairs leading up to the roof. And they had a composition of mortar and tar and ashes and sand that would all go together. Or in some places, reeds and branches and dried mud that they had to rethatch every fall. And so they dug through the roof. So maybe not a huge deal, but still somebody had to repair it after they left. I don't know if they came back and, and took care of that later. But they lowered this man down in front of Jesus. Jesus, do something. And it says he saw their faith. He saw the actions of the friends that took him from home, that brought him to Jesus, took him up on the roof, cut through the roof, and lowered him down. They knew Jesus was the answer, and they brought their friend to him. And he says to the, the man, son, your sins are forgiven. I'm not sure if, if, if he said, that, that's not necessarily what I came for, Jesus. Some of you know I, I had a hip replacement uh, a year and a half ago or so, and I went to the doctor. I had arthritis, and, and they said it was because of my geometry growing up. Uh, nothing, my, my left hip should be okay. But I went to the doctor, and they, they showed me the x-ray. Here's the arthritis, and you're going to need this surgery. He didn't say to me, Kurt, your sins are forgiven. That's not what I went to him for. I went because I wanted my hip to get better. They brought this man to Jesus because they wanted him to be healed. So I wonder, what did they think when Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven? It might not have been what they came for, but it is what Jesus came for. And so the friends are probably like, okay, so what do we do? Lift him back up and take him home? His sins have been forgiven. We know what the teachers of the law thought. They thought, Jesus, you can't forgive sins. Only God can forgive sins. The people saw his authority. The teachers of the law hadn't gotten there yet. And Jesus did his Rambo thing right here. Pastor Trent talked about Mark being like Rambo. He said, I can hear what you're thinking. 
And I want to let you know I'm God. So that you can know that the Son of Man has authority. And that word authority is like he has the power and the might. He has the ability to forgive sins. So that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority to forgive sins. I say to you, get up and walk. Take your mat and go home. So that you may know. That's, that word is the absolute knowledge. I want you to understand exactly who I am. I have authority to forgive sins, and I have forgiven you. But that's not all. I want to heal you. I want to make you well. I want to give you life. So he says to the man, get up and go home. Now, until this time, the paralytic has said nothing. He's done nothing. He's laid on a mat. But now is his chance. Jesus saw his friend's faith. Does he have faith? Jesus said, get up. And so he got up. There was his act of faith. He got up and walked out in front of all of them carrying his mat. That was everything. Because at that point for him, everything changed. His sins were forgiven, but he'd also been given his life back. He was a paralytic. Could he get married? Maybe. Could he have a job? Probably not. What did he do? He, he, other people had to take care of him. And now all the possibilities of life were opened up to him. Things he'd never thought were going to be for him. Jesus had given him life. And the people said, wow, we've never seen anything like this. Not only does he forgive sins, but he heals your diseases. And that's what he offers to us. Psalm 103 says he forgives our sins. He heals our diseases. So what, what does this do for us? Well, people of God, I want to tell you, your sins have been forgiven. Jesus offers us forgiveness. And believe it or not, that's more important than anything this world has to offer. We're gonna, the world will stop today at 6.38 or whatever time. And someone will take way too long to sing the national anthem tonight. Uh, some football game. So. But it's more important than that. It's you've been forgiven your sins. You've been given life. And none of that means anything if we don't take up our mat and go home. Forgiveness isn't just the taking away of our sin. One, one place I read it says forgiveness is an eschatological act. Now that's a six-syllable word, I think. I'm bad at counting syllables. But... Uh, you can count for me. Tell me if I'm wrong later. Eschatological. Six. I did. Good. Phew. Eschatology is just the study of the things that happen in the end. Forgiveness doesn't just affect us now. It affects us from here till the end. Forgiveness isn't just taking away our sin. It changes our ultimate destiny. It changes everything about us. And it changed this man's life. And it can change our lives. So we need to take up our mat, take up the things that hold us down. We're paralyzed by sin. This young man, maybe no specific sin caused his paralysis, but he was, he was paralyzed by sin. And his physical paralysis wasn't his biggest problem. He needed a spiritual healing, and so do we. I don't want to send you home today paralyzed. 
So what's keeping you from coming into the presence of God? What's your disease or paralysis? What do you need to be healed from? The weight of sin can paralyze us. And Jesus says to us, son or daughter, your sins are forgiven. Now take up your mat and go home. So what does it look like for us to take up our mat and go home? I don't forgive sins, but I can point you to the one who makes the offer. And when your sins are forgiven, your life is transformed. When we leave here, we go home. It's always hard to leave a mission trip to go home because you know it's harder there. It's good for us to come together here this morning as the people of God. What did you come for? Hopefully you come to to sing his praise, to, to hear how he wants to change your life and to be together with the people of God. But we have to go home. And my prayer is that when we go home, the fact that our sins have been forgiven, that that transforms our very lives. In this story, none of this stuff happens without four friends who saw a person's need. They knew Jesus was the answer. And they knew that they had to get the two together. So I want to ask today, what does it look like for us to carry each other to Jesus? Like I said, on Wednesday, I was struggling. And my friends in my Wednesday meeting, they carried me to Jesus. I have all kinds of people in my life that carry me to Jesus. Tomorrow morning, we'll meet with anybody who wants to at 6 a.m. to pray, to ask God to be in, in our lives for this week. Monday morning, I have a group of guys that gets together and does that. On Monday night, I get together with another group of guys, I've told you, and we share our lives together. Sometimes we confess our sins together. We talk about the things that we're struggling with, and we, we carry each other to Jesus. I have another group that meets on Wednesday morning. We do a Bible study, and we carry each other to Jesus. I have a guy that I meet with, Pastor Tom Grable. I meet on Thursday mornings, and we carry each other to Jesus. As a staff, we get together every other week, but really all the time when things are going on, we, 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 we get together and we carry each other to Jesus. My wife and I work together. Sometimes she doesn't even have to say anything. She just gives me a look. You're not acting the way Jesus would want you to act right now. She doesn't have to say anything. I just know. We do that for each other. That's what marriage is about. We carry each other to Jesus. You might say, you're a mess. You need a whole bunch of people. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yes, it's true. I have lots of people who carry me. They remind me that I need Jesus every, every minute. They remind me that Jesus says to me, son, your sins are forgiven. They remind me that I get up and I go home, but I take Jesus with me. And so, church, I want to challenge you this morning. You need to carry each other to Jesus. This is a big church. It's hard sometimes to get connected. But there are ways you can do it. There's a group of guys and women, too, that are going to gather tomorrow night at Long Range Archery. They're going to shoot some archery. They're going to hear a short message from Pastor Ron McLean from a church up in Grand Haven. I'll do that next week. And then they're going to just hang out together and be the church together. If you need somebody to 
carry you to Jesus, maybe show up there. Thursday, we gather with people for the mobile food pantry, and not only do we help carry folks to Jesus who, who don't have food, but we, we do that for each other. We just gather together. It's been a great thing to get together. On Wednesday night, there are opportunities. Pastor Greg started a group, The Art of Marriage. There are couples that are going to carry each other to Jesus. Tuesday mornings, women's Bible study. There's some Tuesday mornings, men's Bible studies. On Friday mornings, moms get together at M Life and they carry each other to Jesus. Saturday mornings, the last Saturday of the month, you can sign up to serve with a group of people and carry each other to Jesus. We want to look up and see what God is doing. We want to lean into what Christ has for us. We want to live that out wherever the Spirit leads us, but we cannot do that on our own. We are paralyzed. We need each other. We're going to close with a song. Love will hold us together. Make us a shelter to weather the storm. And I will be my brother's keeper. So the whole world will know that we're not alone. That's what church is supposed to be. We're supposed to be that for each other. So I want to challenge you. Find that. If you need help finding that, come and talk to me. We need to be our brother's keeper. And then the world will see, hey, the church takes care of each other. They bring each other to Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your forgiveness. We need that. Lord, we thank you that that forgiveness transforms our very life. Lord, then we thank you that you send us home to be the people, the men and women you've called us to be. But Lord, we thank you that you haven't left us alone. You've given us your spirit to empower us, and you've given us your body that we can serve together. Lord, as we gather tonight with friends, we pray that we would carry each other to Jesus in that time. In the name of Jesus, we pray by the power of of the Holy Spirit, for the glory of your name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his face toward you. May God smile at you and give you peace. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Go in peace.